TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. All right, welcome indeed. It is the Two Guys and a Mic Show here on the TalkZone.com. 888-463-6748. Our phone number is the coach and the big dog at your service. Talking sports via the internet connection here on the uh, beautiful TalkZone circuitry. And I want to welcome in uh, before, uh, without further ado, I should say, checking in from beautiful Aurora, Illinois. It is my good partner of the big dog, Joel Redwanski. Joel, how are you, my friend? Uh, coach, I don't know if I sound better, but I feel better, if, if, if that means anything. Yeah. Uh, well, you're getting better each and every day. Monday I called you to inform you there'd be no show, and you sounded like death warmed over. Yesterday on the show, you started off a little bit slow, but you, you kicked in by the end of the show. You were back to the big dog of old, and today you sound uh, better than ever. Yeah, I sound pretty good. Actually, I'm wearing five levels of sweatshirts. I've got on like four pair of pants, and I'm not kidding about that. Got all kinds of socks. I even had the, the winter hat on, and I bundled myself up. And I just I sweat the devil out of me, Coach. That's how you beat the devil with the heat is mm-hmm. what it is. So that's where I had Satan in me for a couple of days, Coach. Emailer Baltimore Barbara has just uh, emailed, actually texted in. She says she doesn't care about the layers of sweatshirts and pants. What she wants to know is boxers or briefs. Oh, Coach, I didn't want to wreck any of those. So I, I just went commando. I figured with, with really? four layers it didn't make any difference. Okay. It's an I really interesting don't need look. The support because I wasn't moving too much. <laughs> it moved. Oh, that goes under the too much information category. Thank you very much, Big Dog. Uh, great to talk to you. Midweek Wednesday here, and of course uh, we should mention other side of the glass. David Olson, our producer. It's unfortunate here, Big Dog, that uh, not being able to come in the studio, you don't get to talk to or at least look at the vision of our fine producer, David Olson. I know it disappoints you on a regular basis. Well, yeah. Well, it does this time of year, right around April 1st, when I have to hear them whine and moan about about the about how much fun Cubs fans are having and the fact that, you know, White Sox fans are real baseball fans, and I really don't need to see them at all. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be something to do with about taxes coming up on April 15th. But, uh, oh, I don't pay do... taxes, so I don't worry about that. I beg your pardon? I don't pay taxes, Coach. Big dog, this show is being the... heard. Via the Internet, I just remind you what you're saying here, in seven different continents and also 42 different uh, internal revenue service uh, locations in the Chicago area. Okay, IRS, man, I haven't had a job like in five years, so if you can hook me up, because I know you got openings over there at the IRS, maybe next year I'll pay taxes. It's a good gig. That's your that's your best selling point. You want me to pay taxes? Find me a job at the IRS. Yeah, I can't. yeah, I'll be more than happy to shake somebody yeah. down, some poor innocent soul. It's not a bad idea. You know? It's the fight fire with fire theory. A, a guy that we haven't been able to draw money from for three years looking for work. Well, you want to get money from me? Give me a job and I'll pay you back some money. It's not a bad I, idea. I'd be, I'd be no, I have no problem of having 93% of the dollar that you took from me totally wasted on bureaucracy. <laughs> oh, big there's a lot of scary jobs you've had in the past. You working for the IRS would truly uh, put fear in the hearts of many of us here in the Chicago area. Uh, no, it wouldn't. I mean, are you kidding me? Do you think I would? 
I have no, no qualms against anybody. I'd be the only IRS agent that never had any audits. Yeah, well, we've got qualms about you, though. That's the problem. Okay, see, well, I can just see. If, uh, hello, Mrs. Henderson. Uh, I have an audit for you. So I don't need your paperwork. Let me look at your underwear drawer. <laughs> oh, goodness. An IRS agent of another kind, huh? Yeah, You exactly, are a coach. sick, sick man, big dog. By the way, on a semi-related note, uh, the Dow Jones had a disastrous day yesterday. <laughs> Stock market, despite all the, uh, you know, the... the uh, uprising in the Middle East, despite all of our uh, recessionary problems here in the country, uh, with all the elections and the military and all the problems we're having, the stock market has remained amazingly steadily upwards, big dog. But yesterday, hunt down 178 points. I don't know how fully vested you are, but you're less vested today than you were yesterday. Well, it's because the stock market's been propped up. I mean, the crash is going to happen soon, Coach. You think so? so? If, yeah, if, if you... If, if you're smart, what you do is buy as much silver as you possibly can because at, right now the Chinese have been doing whatever they can to suppress the price of, of silver. So right now it's going at a little bit over $17 an ounce. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have if you have money out there, people, and I'm not talking about don't buy certificates for silver, actually get it because if you're just buying certificates, when the crash happens, you'll never get your silver because the people in power with the guns, they're the ones that are going to get to keep it. I've got a couple uh, silver medals from, I think, swimming days back when I was like age 10 or 11. I still have them in the basement. Should I be hanging on to those medals? Is that the type of silver you're talking about? No, no. What I think you should do is you should probably wear all those medals around your neck and then try to go swimming in Lake Michigan. <laughs> Boy, coming on harsh today, the big dog. <laughs> wow. Fire in there. Boom. Uh, sorry, Coach. Sorry, okay. Coach. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can take it. I really don't know. I worry about uh, the, the stock market and our overall economy, but I, uh-huh. I just I have this fear that we've done way too much. The government has done way too much. Oh, we're going to fix it with this problem. We're going to, and then it just keeps on more problems and more problems. Mm-hmm. And, and eventually, especially considering what our deficit looks like as a country, I'm 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 extremely worried about where our economy is going. So, um, 179 points—that's really not that big of a deal. Today, it could rally and be up 200 points, and all of a sudden you gain 21 over a two-day period. So that's not that big of a a deal. Had me worried a little bit because my uh, good friend and fine listener, loyal listener to the program, Smith Barney Steve, called me up yesterday and said, Hey, John, stock market, you know, the stock's down 178 points. Good time to buy. Good time to buy this and good time to buy that, and you're telling me it's a false lead and that uh, we are due for a collapse in the not-too-distant future. No, no, I'm not trying to to, to freak you out, Coach. I mean, it's just... If I, I mean, if you want to buy, buy. That's, uh, I mean, we've already had a crash. What uh, mm-hmm. four years ago? Oh no, three years ago. So, uh, okay. Are you a uh, mutual fund guy or are you a bond guy? <clears throat> well, they do pay the bonds out first, coach. Okay. So uh, right now, this is say I'm totally divested. Is the best way I can explain <laughs> it. Completely and totally and thoroughly, huh? Yes. Oh, yes. beautiful. All right, big dog. Uh, it, it's great to have you aboard, my friend. Despite the disappointing news in the Dow Jones, we got lots of sports to talk about. We also got to talk a little sports, guys, talk politics. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we do have a new mayor in the fine city of Chicago. We got the Wisconsin mess still going on, so we'll get to that. But let's get to the sports at hand. After all, we are at least advertised as two guys in a mic sports show. I know often. We uh, don't get to it as much as we should, but uh, let's lead off. Well, yeah, we got to lead off with baseball because big news. 
I don't know if you've heard or not, a major, major injury in the world of professional baseball. Yeah, sad to say, I do have my pulse on Major League Baseball as opposed to other more newsworthy things in the world. But this is a major blow in the in the National League Central because as much as you have to admit the Phillies and the Giants are the favorite in the National League, if you win the Central, you get into the tournament and you have a chance to win the World Series. And yep. The Cardinals, one of their most important players besides Sir Albert is Adam Wainwright. And if he does have uh, a blown-out elbow and his Tommy John surgery and his season is over with, the Cardinals, that's a major, major blow because they're going to have to catch lightning in a bottle to be able to replace him. And it seems like every year they come up with a Jaime Garcia or a or a Kiko Garcia or somebody like that that could end up getting people out. But can they really keep on finding these guys to replace people? If Adam Wainwright is done for the year, the Cardinals are – that's a significant blow. And, and the Reds and the Brewers and the Cubs look a lot better all of a sudden, you know, like addition by subtraction type deal. Late breaking news is Adam Wainwright, one of the top five pitchers on the National League stud starter, number one guy for the St. Louis Cardinals. Absolutely, the reports are – Threw his elbow out completely. He's probably going to have to have Tommy John surgery. It's early, so things could change, but that's the early reports. He will be out uh, for the entire season. If it's Tommy John surgery, big dog, it can lead even into next year. That's serious yeah. stuff. But he looks like he's going to be gone for the year. When you talk the Cardinals, like you said, with Pools, and then, well, you got Carpenter and Wainwright, two great starters, and who do you go after that? Well, right uh, now, Matt this... Holiday, and they, then they got a bunch of great defensive players. They got. Two great sluggers, yep. two great starters, yep. uh, a, a decent bullpen, and a bunch of guys that can catch the baseball. And, and that's a, that's not a bad uh, formula to, to win a division in the major leagues now. And don't don't forget the self-proclaimed best manager in baseball. Oh, uh, Abner, <laughs> guy who thinks he invented the game. Yeah. Abner Doubleday. I mean Tony Larusa. Excuse me. I always get yeah. those two confused. Or as our ex-producer uh, Kevin Aran used to call him, Saint. St. Anthony. Yeah, St. Anthony. Yeah. You, you, you know, Coach, and <laughs> I really do think Wainwright has it because you know how many times we hear, oh, no, the guy hurt his knee really bad. He carries him off the field. Does he have ACL problems? And legitimately, it's only about three-quarters of the time. The other mm-hmm. quarter, it's like, oh, it's hyperextended. Oh, there's a small tear in the MCL or something like that. I don't ever remember hearing somebody say, we think he, the ulnar collateral ligament snapped, and it didn't. Well, every time I've ever Oof. heard we think he needs Tommy John, it's or they're even like, oh, there's a small pain in his elbow. Then they come back, yep. well, he needs Tommy John. It doesn't look good for the Cardinals. And I'm not by any means making fun of them or, or piling on because I don't think this is a Cubs year at mm-hmm. all. So I'm not trying to get any bad karma towards me or my beloved Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for the Cardinals. That puts the uh, Cincinnati Reds and our good ex-friend, uh, Dusty O. Baker, maybe is the leading candidate in the uh, National League Central Division. If they all weren't already, they certainly are now, I would think, by the way. Did you see Dusty Baker's comments in the uh, Tribune today? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Clean, clean this up for our fans that might be... Uh, expect uh, me to clean this up? Not really, but I thought <laughs> okay. I'd take a shot at it. It's a little nasty. I mean, it's not... Did you say take a, what did you say? Take a... Sh- what did you say, Coach? Huh? Take a... Sh- take a sh- oh, take a shot at it, you said. Take a shot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got what? a little confused. I thought you were talking about what happened with Dusty Baker in his last days as the manager of the Chicago Cubs back in 2006. It almost goes back to our favorite dog we were talking about with the Westminster Kennel Club, the Shih Tzu, who I think, who was it? Exactly, Coach. Well, supposedly, if you think about this, Coach, this had to be somebody (laughs) in the Cubs organization because Dusty Baker is claiming, and and I believe him, 
Because don't forget, in, in Sammy Sosa's last day as a Chicago Cub when he showed up late, uh, uh, an unnamed player, but I'm going to guess, and if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Kyle Farnsworth, but I'm guessing it was you. You were the one that urinated in Sosa's locker uh, the day that he showed up uh, late for your, his last game as a Chicago Cub, and he peed all over uh, Sosa's stuff. Yeah. Knowing well, Farnsworth, it could have been an innocent mistake. He probably was out drinking late, came in, wandered around, stumbled around, and probably thought Sosa's locker was the actual urinal, knowing Kyle Farnsworth. You know what, Coach? Honestly, that could be the truth. Yes, I didn't even think of that. I thought it was just him all, all PO'd. And, yep. But you're right. He could have been totally. But get get back to the Dusty Baker story because we have listeners who haven't heard this. They're on the edge of their seat. And I remind you, while they're on the edge of their seat, they might be eating their eggs and bacon and orange juice. Well, well if anybody can remember uh, Dusty Baker when he was chewing his toothpick and, and uh, being the field general for the Chicago Cubs making unbelievably, you know, lightning quick decisions, he'd have one foot up on, on the, on the, on the stairway and, the other foot down and making all types of wrong decisions. Well, he stood in the same place all the time. Well, supposedly, right before his last game as the Chicago Cubs, when he came out there, there was feces right where he stands. Mm-hmm. And uh, like a, a direct shot right at him. And uh, like uh, supposedly he asked somebody, like, somebody was like, oh, maybe it was just dog do, Dusty. And he was like, no, 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 that was human do. Mm-hmm. So supposedly uh, somebody took a shark right where uh, Dusty Baker stood in, yep. the, in the dugout. And it, so that means it had to been somebody in the Cubs organization. And i, I got to be quite honest with you, Coach. I, I, I'm thinking Yosh Kawano. That's I swear to you, that's exactly who I'm th- <laughs> Long-time clubhouse guy, and, uh, you know, he had known bowel problems on occasion. But yes. you got to believe the guy with the inside track, pardon the pun, long-time clubhouse manager, uh, Yosh Kawano, leading candidate. Yep. The, the next year, they moved him over to the to the opposing clubhouse. Ah, so forgot about that. I won't have to walk over here anymore. I don't have to deal with this. Interesting. And, and think about it: the dude was four foot six, or he's still four foot six. Okay, if you're going to confuse human do with dog do, mm-hmm. uh, the guy that's the size of a shih tzu. Yeah, and you also it's, can't. Con- now Yosh was a little man, but you can't confuse the size of the man with the size of his do. This is true, but then again, he a lot of fiber. <laughs> uh, he was, uh, believe it or not, even though he is from Japan, he's one of the few original oh, Japanese yeah. people that went wild rice instead of white rice. Absolutely, oats, is, oats and honey. Uh, for, uh, his favorite breakfast cereal, from what I heard. <laughs> oats and honey—they're kind of funny. So I, I'm blaming Yosh Kawano first and foremost. Hey, you know what? As long as we're throwing allegations around, we might as well do it. You know, we. Do can't... you think he was reading the Tribune when he did it? Or do you think it was like just a real quick one? Yeah, I'm guessing a newspaper or magazine you read was not part of it. Okay. You never know, though. You never know. It's possible. It's possible. It's a disgusting story. And it was prefaced by they were asking Dusty Baker what his lowest moment was as a Chicago Cub manager because you remember this last year things did go downhill a little bit. Oh, but, they uh, went south real quickly, Coach. Yep. Yep. All right, uh, so Adam Wainwright out for the season for the St. Louis Cardinals. That is big, big story. And, of course, uh, you know, you never want to advance your cause by the injury of another, but it certainly helps the Chicago Cubs. In an already fairly weak division, Big Dog, it does improve the odds of the uh, somewhat chemically misinformed Chicago Cub ball club. You, you, you know, Coach, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you because, you know, the Central has been weak a lot. Eh. As much as I do think the two best base baseball teams in the National League don't reside in the Central. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more of a balanced and, and pretty deep 
deep league. As a matter okay. of fact, I, I really think the, the Reds, the Cubs, the, the Brewers, or the Cardinals can finish in second place in the other two okay. divisions really easily. That's a good the, point. Our, our, I mean, our fourth-place so, team can be is better than your fourth-place team. Well, yeah, that's that's all I'm saying. So okay. I, I really don't think it's it's a weak division. I just don't think that it has yep. an elite team in it. Okay. Whatever that means. Whatever, right. you know, you can look at it other way. But, uh, you know, the, the Cubs have a shot to win this division. As much as I pounded them the other day, I, I just, it just, it was Dusty Baker said something, and uh, it kind of hit home. Because I've been begging the Cubs to do this. He keeps on, he said something about the fact that it, the Chicago Cubs continue to try to win it the next year, and there's never a four- or five-year plan. I've been begging them to do that, Coach. They should look at their team and honestly look at their team and say, can this team win the World Series this year? And instead of being this blind, giggly, cubby, blue, uh, diehard, and, oh, yeah, we can win it, anything can happen. No, look, at no, this team can't win it. Maybe we should try to set up our team for two years down the line or three years down the line, and then all of a sudden you'll find out that, You'll get there even faster than two or three years down the line if you actually try to set your team up in a way that can win for the future. And it's funny when you do it that way, you don't blow money by throwing it at people that get uh, hamstring tears because they're 35 and at the end of their contract. Now, there are skeptics out there that would say, and we'll talk a little baseball to lead off the show today. Any baseball fans out there listening in the uh, St. Louis area, you need a shoulder to cry on. We're right here for you, 888 6748 the phone number but big dog there are some of those fans that would say uh now i totally lost my train of thought as i've given the phone number they're going cheap or something yeah yeah. that that in this day and age of professional sports that the building for the future oh it sounds great let's bring in the young kids in two three years down the road well in this day and age of professional sports, two, three years down the road, half of those young kids we invested in might be playing for a different team. So I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just a little skeptical in this modern era if that can actually be pulled off. Uh, you know, Coach, look at the teams that win. They usually build from within. And I'm not saying I don't want the Cubs to spend money. Let's get this straight. I want them just to spend it a little bit smarter. So – I, I just don't like the idea. If they can trade people, and here's that they can't win, and if somebody's at the end of their contract, I want them gone. Get rid of them. Trade them for something. I would much rather have them get a prospect that might be able to do something and maybe cost the Cubs two wins throughout a season and they finish with 78 wins instead of 80 than to have the Cubs, oh, we'll play this guy out because we owe it to our fans this year who bought tickets. No, you owe it to Cub fans to eventually try to win a World Series. I could care less if they win 74 games as opposed to 71 in a season. That doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. Them actually building and having a plan to win a World Series means everything to me. So. Spoken like a true general manager. I got a feeling uh, if Jim Henry is listening to the show, he might be taking some of your words to heart. But you're right. There there does seem to be a dichotomy where the Cubs do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And um, over yeah, the last 101 years, it hasn't worked all that well. The only time you should pull triggers on saying, hey, we can win the World Series this year is when you can legitimately say, hey, mm-hmm. this team can really win the World Series this year. You know the, the the trade or the deal that finally broke the camel's back for me as far as paying money for overpaid veterans? I don't know if you're going to remember this or not. Well, you will remember this because you're a sick man of trivia, but eh, I'm going to guess eight, nine years ago, the one that did it for me was the when the Cubs picked up Candy Maldonado. Oh, that was you longer remember? than eight or nine years ago, Coach. That was 20 years ago. Oh, come on. 
Coach, 20. Eight, eight or nine years ago, you're talking about 2003, 2002. Okay. 20 years okay, ago? That, 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 yeah. It was, they tried to pick up. Uh, they were trying to add Kelly Maldonado to the team before they even had Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa became a Cub in 1992. Oh, goodness. But do you remember that? That, that to me, uh, that was like the epitome of you paying, way overpaying for these veteran guys that either they can hit and they can't field, they can field and they can't hit. Just bring in the young kids, pay them a little bit, let them play hard. Yes, David? It was 1993. 93, okay. 2003, so, so almost 20 years, years. Ago. Wow. 18 years ago. Time flies when you're having a mediocre time. So, and and that's and, and don't forget that same year. That's when that was the year before that they picked up uh, Juan Guzman. And what the Cubs used to do was instead of paying the elite money to the best players, they would get the second tier guy and pay him just below. So yeah, we didn't spend four million. That was way back in '93 when four million was gigantic money. Yes. we didn't spend four million on that guy who would actually produce. We spent two and a half million on this guy. So. We didn't want to like spend money like the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers. Oh well, mm-hmm. thanks a lot because we just picked up Kenny Maldonado. He's not even worth five hundred thousand. Yeah. Yep. You know that's how the the yeah, that's like instead of the Cubs going for pool holes, they'll go for fielder and they'll give him a ten year deal next year worth two hundred million. Mm-hmm. Oh, but we don't want to pay him two hundred fifty over ten years for pool holes because you know that would just you know twenty five million a year is too much and then. Mm-hmm. Fielder will have a year and a half that's decent for the Cubs and then suck the rest of the time. That's what I'm afraid of, Coach, is deals like Tandy Maldonado or Juan Guzman. <laughs> you know, make your mind up. Either build right. young or go for the best players. Don't go for the second-tier guys because they're trying to save money, but still look like you're spending money. <laughs> So that's a perfect example, Coach. Was your Tandy uh, For me, perfect. for me, that's the one that broke the uh, camel's back on overpaying the veterans. And I'm, you know, you know me, I'm a strong advocate and uh, get rid of them all. I'd rather have young, hungry players and pay them a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'll root for that team. I don't care if they win or lose. I've always said, big dog. Sometimes it sounds as ridiculous as it is. I, I at least in part, believe this winning is overrated. No, no, I, I, I I'm not. I won't. I won't say that. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I won't from, either. Though. But it's it's a it's a silly comment. But there there's a. But I, I understand where you're it's, coming. It's from. almost like in life when everybody you know, everybody's spends so much of their time and energy and and uh, passion and, and just trying to make money. You know, it's about making money, making money, and then you finally make big big bucks, and you find out it's not really all about the money in a small small sense it can be the same thing in sports obviously the object is to win a championship obviously the object is to win we like it because we're competitive but uh you know guys that play hard guys that you can root for spirited guys that can pull out some victories even if they don't win a championship in a small sense sometimes it, it, winning can be overrated i know that's a ridiculous statement but i'll say it anyways you know it's funny you said that because when i think of the O three 3 cubs I, I like I get disgusted with them because not only did they, did they choke, they they blame it on some poor fan in the stands, and then the next year they choked even worse, and all they had were excuses. And then then you had the '08 team with the Cubs, who uh, there's a couple guys on the team that you know I like the Storianos that I, I mm-hmm. do not like, coach. Mm-hmm. but they were full of like yeah. the DeRosas and the Fontenos uh, of the world who. Played their butts off yep. all year long, yep. and you know, and they just couldn't get oh. it done. A horrible matchup against the Dodgers in the playoffs. They needed a left-handed bat that year more than anything. If they had a left-handed bat, who knows? Maybe things are a little different. If the Dodgers don't overcome the Giants that year, and the Giants are in the playoffs, who knows? You know what I mean? All of a sudden, because makes it to the World Series, and you know, like, it, it, 
it's it's just funny how how you say that. I know exactly uh, what you're talking I'll, about. I'll, I'll give like you the an... 08 team is much more heartbreaking for me than the 03 because those guys were a bunch yeah. of punks. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let, me, let me give you an NBA example of it with, uh, again, the, the team we root for here in Chicago. I'm sure many fans listening across the country and other continents could pick their own teams and have examples, too. But uh, uh, a few years back when Scott Skiles was coaching the Chicago Bulls, the post-Michael Jordan thing had already kicked in, and the Bulls were trying to fight their way back. The first couple of years that Skiles coached, Big Dog, I can't, you know, my memory's pretty bad. I can't remember all the specific players, but it was a young team. It was a hungry team. They deed it up. They played hard for Scott Skiles. Now, that team finished under 500 for a couple of seasons. But I can honestly say I didn't watch. I, uh, I enjoyed watching the Chicago Bulls that year because every victory, when they did win, it was a big win. Sometimes I can, you know, call it an upset. You don't often use that word in pro basketball. But that was a fun team to watch. I enjoyed it. They didn't go to the playoffs. They didn't win the championship. But I, as a fan, I enjoyed that Bulls team watching each and every game, winning can be overrated. And I understand exactly what you're talking about, and especially when a team overachieves like that. Yep, exactly. You know what I mean? If they were supposed to win the the, the NBA championship that year, then maybe it's a little different. But I, I agree. If the team fights and scraps and plays, plays smart, it's, you can root for them. And that's, that's exactly like when I'm mm-hmm. watching my Illinois, Illinois, Illinois fight in the lineup. Uh-oh. You know, it's, it's a lot different. When I see them play smart basketball and play their butts off and they lose, you know, I shrug my shoulders and say, hey, they're playing in the Big Ten. they got a really tough schedule. You know, but when, when they play stupid and they play gutless, you know, it drives me crazy. It, it drives me absolutely crazy. And being an Illinois basketball fan and being from one of the greatest states in America in terms of basketball, I expect a little bit more out of my team. So I, I understand exactly what you're talking about, Coach. We're like going to get to college. Football, <laughs> Illinois football have different level of expectations for those teams. Yeah, I'm not sure what their level of expectation is going to be next year. It ain't going to be too good. I want to get to college basketball uh, after the break, but Big Dog, I do want to mention very exciting moment in time this Sunday. The Cubs exhibition opener baseball begins, not for real, but at least they start playing other teams. Sunday against Oakland, 2:20. I'm assuming you and your uh, very close family members will gather together, hold hands, do a kumbaya. Where will you be Sunday at 2:20 when the Cubs tee it off against Oakland? I will be uh, helping a family be able to vacation for free for the rest of their life. Sell, 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 work, work, work. Yeah, I mean, I will be, Coach. So luckily there's going to be a lucky family out there who's going to be able to go to Disney World and maybe Hawaii, mm-hmm. maybe to Monaco, someplace anywhere in the world for free for the rest of their life. How about, how about, how about uh, to Oakland to watch a little mm-hmm. exhibition baseball, Cubs in Oakland, well, spring training? Well, luckily, you'd much rather go. I don't know where Oakland is in spring training. I'm assuming it's in Arizona. Mm-hmm. But trust me, you'd much rather go there than to actual Oakland. Yeah. Even though there are some nice spots in Oakland. Absolutely. It's kind of like very much. It's more of a like more of a cosmopolitan Detroit is what an Oakland is. Uh huh. And if you don't like Oakland, you can always take the bridge right over and go visit San Francisco. So you know, it's it's it's, it's a win-win situation either way. I would assume those vacation packages right now uh, many. Spots to go to, but they would not include some of the Middle East countries right now. If you want to, I mean, those, they're they're there. As a matter of fact, those you can pretty much go wherever you want to in the world. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming right now, if you wanted to go someplace in the Middle East, it would, you <laughs> might be able to go for about three times longer than you expected to. <laughs> I so, heard this morning actually, Barack Obama and the uh, uh, the U.S. administration and the uh, uh, Defense Ministry, et cetera, et cetera, trying to get. I guess there's like two thousand Americans. 
over in Libya and before America. What are Americans t- doing in Libya? But that was my next question. Is besides, I don't even know. Do we have a um, what's the place called? The uh, uh, embassy. Yeah. Do we have an embassy in Libya? Uh, I, I I would assume yes. So and by what? the way, I'm going to shut my mouth because I realize this. If you're in Libya, you're either in oil, yep, or you're somebody that I can deal with, and maybe you're a, you're a scientist and and you're working on uh, like some of the old ancient archaeology okay. and, and trying Good to point. prove that we actually were a lot smarter twenty thousand mm-hmm. years ago than we are now because of this whole collective conscious that is yeah. crushing us right now. By the way, a couple of our uh, emailers very upset with me yesterday for comparing. Uh, they were both from Pennsylvania, by the way, for comparing uh, Mohammed. Mohammar Gaddafi with Penn State coach Joe Paterno. I was just when he wears the glasses that are well, tinted, coach. I understand. I was just in terms of you know they've both been there forty one years, long term guys. Obviously, Joe Paterno, a great great man, and Mohammar Gaddafi, uh, slightly less than disgusting. But and, and by the way, just to let you know, Cloudy is raining down basketball news on me right now. I've been trying to get this in. My favorite player in the NBA that does not wear red and black, Darren Williams. Uh, has been traded to the New York. Wow. Yes. Wow. we got to get to that after the break. Real quick, though, I want to get to a caller. He's been hanging out. We'll sneak in one call. Big Doe, you want to go to line three, six, nine, or 12 for some odd reason? The multiples of three are lit up today. You make the call. Uh, I'm going to go just number three, then, in in honor of uh, Sedell three of the (laughs) Chicago Bulls. (laughs) Sedell three. Out to line three we go real quick before the break. We'll talk some college basketball and the big trade. Darren Williams, late-breaking news here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show. It's caller Mike checking in on line three. Mike, how are you? Hey, Coach, how are you? Average. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness, you got your baseball. We mentioned the Cubs opening up against Oakland, and boom, caller Mike dials up. you got to be fired up, I'm sure, Mike, for the baseball season. Yeah, a lot, uh, lots of big news this morning. You know, with the Wainwright being for the possibly being out for the year. Now, are you a Cubs fan calling in to uh, rub salt in the wounds of our beloved St. Louis Cardinal fans five hours to the southwest? Oh no, definitely, definitely not. But I mean, it definitely helps the Cubs that one of the Cardinals' top pitchers is gone, possibly. Yeah, big dog. We talked about it earlier in the show, but uh, you know. For St. Louis, that's just a major. You could say some injuries, uh, you know, they'll be able to bounce back. I don't know that the Cardinals can bounce back from that. Maybe they can, but that's that's a big chink in their armor. Well, I, I can I can imagine the Cubs do have a, a lot of promising young arms in the minor leagues, so I'd be more than willing to part with uh, Randy Wells, who I think is an effective 500 pitcher for them to give them quality innings, and we could uh, trade that for Albert Pujols because he isn't a contract <laughs> here. I'll be think they'll be able to re-sign him. So let me. Yeah, Randy. Randy Walls can go enjoy the St. Louis nightlife instead of Chicago. This, this is true, Coach. He'd be down uh, there yeah. by the by the pier that they call it, wherever uh, they call I'm it. I'm one of the few. I'm a Randy Walls supporter. You're not going to get me to join this uh, conversation. I like I Randy, like Randy Walls, but you know, I like Randy Walls as a Cubs fifth starter, not as their third starter. No, well, that's what he is. Their fifth starter. Not a problem. We'll not a problem. Michael, uh, so far, what are we about? week into the spring training for your Chicago Cub? Uh, pluses, minuses, what do you think at Camp Quade thus far? Uh, so far, I like I like what he's done so far. I like the move to start Dempster opening day. And a lot of people might not like that, but Zambrano really hasn't proven to be a number one starter. And even when he has, his opening days, starts has just been awful. 
I think yeah, it was he's a, been brutal on opening day. That's that's been a consistent theme with Carlos Zambrano. Big I, like, for, I don't like them just doing it on February twentieth, saying, "Hey, uh, Dempster's our starter on opening day." I, I wish it was a little bit more of an open competition, though. I, I thought it was, a, you know, he deserves to be the number one starter. But what it served to do to me, Mike, and maybe I'm, I took this on the rebound. It depressed me a little bit. Because and again, I think it was the right move. I think Dempster is the guy who should be the starter. But I hear all these other managers announcing who their top starter is going to be. You know, and you hear all these aces mentioned. Then the Chicago called Mike Quade has named Ryan Dempster as their opening day pitcher. And I'm thinking Ryan Dempster. Well, well, coach, so at it, least we have the New York Mets beat because they announced on January 15th that Mike Pelfrey was their number one starter. <laughs> that wouldn't do much for you either. Okay. So at least we're not the jackass for the whole conversation. <laughs> uh, but but you're right, Mike. It was I think Dempster deserves it. I thought uh, Carlos Zambrano may be a sign caller, Mike. That um, the maturity of Carlos Zambrano, the way he handled that decision. I hope so. I mean, you never really know how it, you know, how it's going to end when the season starts. But for right now, it looks good. Maybe, 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 Mike. That's what Quade was doing was actually just testing Zambrano, mm-hmm. finding out before you get into the bulk of spring training to see how he would handle something like that. And if he didn't handle it the right way, he would have been moved. Because exactly. if he, if he would have been like, oh, this is ridiculous. And maybe if we find out he starts pouting about it, he's gone. Because the Yankees will take him. The Yankees need a starter big time right now. So, Yeah, that could be interesting towards the season, depending on how the Cubs are doing it. The Yankees would be willing to give up something for Carlos, and if Carlos would waive his no trade clause, uh, we will uh, offer right now. We will take Rodriguez and Jeter for Carlos Zambrano if they want to pull the trigger right now. <laughs> I'm willing to make that trade. Uh, Mike, we got to go to a break. Stick around. We got some hoops talk coming. Did you hear Big Dog mentioned Darren Williams being traded? Yeah, I just, I just wow. heard the news. Does that mean Jerry Sloan is coming back to coach the team now? <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. I've heard that mentioned. <laughs> Possible. Yes, David. Uh, details of the trade. Uh, the Nets are going to send Derek Faze, Favors, Devin Harris, and two first-round picks. Two first-rounders. Plus $3 million in cash to Utah. And, and wow. Who, which team is he going to? The, the Nets. Nets. The Nets. So the, you know, that does no favors to, uh, to Darren Williams, coach, because the, the Nets don't have anything. So the Nets better hope they do something in free agency because well, they have a lot they, of cap room. And not that this is doing much, but they also made a separate deal with the Warriors. Uh, they're going to get Brandon Wright and Dan Gedzurek, uh for Troy Murphy. Wow. Troy Murphy's still in the NBA? Uh, you know, I heard yeah, driving He's now a member of the Golden State Warriors. He's Seriously, been, he's, he's a better Jack Haley than Jack Haley was. Oh, no, he's definitely a step above Jack Haley. He can't play volleyball like Jack Haley. But do you know who I heard interviewed? On the uh, radio coming in this morning, I can't believe he's still playing NBA basketball. Jawan Howard is on the Miami Heat. I had no idea. Yeah, he's he's coach. Last year, Jawan Howard had a really good year for the Trailblazers. I mean, a real good year. Believe it or not, he's like a he's a more athletic Kurt Thomas right now. He's got to be at least thirty eight, which Kurt Thomas is possibly even older than that. Uh, they're they're both thirty eight, I think. Kurt okay. Thomas is the oldest player in the league. We had 38, so Jawan Howard, I bet you, 37. Hmm. He was on the 91-92 the Michigan team as a freshman, I think, so he was 18 at that time. I thought yeah, he, he played, Jawan Howard, I thought he played on the 1963 Cincinnati Royals team with Oscar Robertson. 
No, that that was yeah. that was his, I, uh, buddy Ron Howard. <laughs> I only mentioned that because I was at a game yesterday, sitting next to uh, one of my buddy's dads, old timer, old schooler, and they lived in Cincinnati. And big dog, I can't tell you what a thrill it was for me to talk Cincinnati Royal, old time basketball. It was a beautiful thing. Little Jerry Lucas, little Oscar Roberts, a little Connie Durking. Ah. Oh. I, I don't get, know Connie Durkin, Coach. I, I guess I'm, I'm left out. Connie Durkin was probably the original great white stiff. He was the first. No, uh, he couldn't have been the first, Coach. I think he might have been. Back then, the whole league was big white stiff. <laughs> yeah, David. John Howard is 38. 38. Got oh, 38. Right. We got to take a quick break. We'll talk some more hoops of the uh, collegiate variety when we come back. Big dog and the coach. We do thank Caller Mike for checking in. We much, much appreciate it. Anybody can uh, dial up. We'll get you right on. 888-463-6748. If Mike can do it, you can do it too. Big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Stick around. Our breaks are awfully short. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com welcome back two guys and a mic big dog another uh, tough tough dream last night this one was not just a sports dream it combined what were the grammy awards like about a week and a half ago two weeks ago yeah, you so, have some, about that. And I know the Academy Awards coming up next. Somehow I still have the Grammys in my mind and my college basketball love. I got it all mixed up. You know how dreams can go. Woke up in the middle of the night, about 3.30 in the morning, couldn't go back to sleep, looked over at my wife, and she looked just a little bit. She had the body of Lady Gaga, but the head of Bruce Pearl. Very disturbing. You, know, you better be careful because she's probably you know, like eavesdropping on your phone call. Yeah. That, that must tell you something, Coach. Yeah. And, and and she was wearing an orange outfit, like Bruce Pearl's orange sports coat. Of course, it was a lot more shapely than it is on Bruce Pearl. Not sure who's more attractive, by the way. They each have their own special moment. I can't stand Bruce Pearl, Coach. Yeah. All right, moving along, and we want to get to college basketball. Let's real quick, though, mention uh, in the city of Chicago, Big Dog, the fine city that we have uh, been part of uh, for you all your life, for me all of our life. We do have a mayor, and uh, I believe his name is Rom McMichael. Emmanuel. Uh, and now we're stuck with this guy for four years. Pretty much. Uh, Pretty much. I haven't checked the impeachment proceedings. He's only been officially in office now. He's not he hasn't been sworn in, but he's been the mayor for about twelve hours. I haven't checked out the impeachment proceedings, but I'm sure people will in the near future. And uh, he will definitely put a new twist on the on the term "sworn in." He'll, He'll put a new twist be- on the term "twist." 
Yeah, he's, uh, he'll be the first uh, <laughs> uh, mayoral person to be sworn in actually swears during the swearing-in. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. I didn't catch that on the first time. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, what's good about it is it's probably very true. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. Well, I would love to play that particular scene out, but even though our producer, uh, uh, producer extraordinaire, a man of legal, all legal ramifications, David Olson, basically said that we – can use that kind of language on on the internet, big dog. You and me just aren't. We don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. So now Chicago has a mayor who's actually a citizen of Israel as a Zionist. I beg Good your pardon. Know. Good to know. He's uh, he's actually uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel. They is a citizen of Israel, and you know he's a Zionist coach. I was not aware of that. I, I am. He's a citizen oh. of Israel. Yes. Yes. By the way. And and you know, but you can that has nothing to do with whether or not he could be a citizen of the city of Chicago. That mm-hmm. I'm not debating that fact. There's other factors you can go in and, and figure out if he actually was a citizen of Chicago. I could care less if a guy is a citizen or not of the city. It's whether or not he's good for the city. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, if he already you know, he already said the old housing project Cabrini Green will now be known in history as Cabrini Klein. That was his first movement. Cabrini Klein. Klein. Trying to put a Jewish vent to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's good to know, Coach. Try to now, stick with the know, program. There's still a few families living in there, and they refuse to leave. No, I think it's closed. I think the last the last young lady, uh, they had a big public relations thing, but I think she is out. I think Cabrini Klein has officially been closed. That, that's good to know, Coach. Yeah. That, those things need to be flattened, and hopefully the yeah. Robert Taylor homes will be flattened soon, too. Yeah. Apparently, the police superintendent, Jody Weiss, his days are numbered as is. The school superintendent, we've had so many of them, I forget who it is, but uh, Rahm is going to work quickly and replace a lot of people. Big Dog, you're out of work and available. I'm going to guess there could be a cabinet position for you in the not-too-distant future. Why don't you put me in charge of security? That'd be good. I can I see. Like, uh, yeah. I, 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 would just wanna, I just want to keep an eye on him 24 hours a day to make sure he, he isn't screwing up. I could see Dog doing that. Yeah, yeah When's the over-under on uh, Jody Weiss getting launched? I got 14 days. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I'm Vegas, he's going to be the first one to go. <laughs> no, do you think it's going to be a resignation? Do you think yeah. it's going to be? A, you know, like yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I think it's going to be a uh, resignation and a mutual air, yeah. air quotes right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, do you think he'll be fired or forced out with the resignation? Is what I'm. He's going to be forced out with the resignation. Let him okay. save face a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wait, Rahm Emanuel basically, and, and most of the candidates ran on that platform. They said if elected, they're, they're, I think they were pretty upfront about saying that we, that Jody Weiss would be replaced. Yeah, you can't effectively leave when you have no respect from your subordinates, yep. and, the, and the rank and file Chicago yep. cops do not like the guy. Yep, that was not one of Mayor Daly's uh, better choices. But at any rate, we got a new mayor in the city, fifty-five percent of the vote, big dog, and. Uh, and there you go. If the Cubs do win the pennant for the first time in 101 years, Rahm Emanuel will be out there celebrating with Tom Ricketts. I'm sure that thrills you. Oh, uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, and then uh, Rob Blagojevich can pile on the celebration. <laughs> we wait 101 years, and then it gets spoiled having to listen to those three back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Oh, yeah, Rob Blagojevich, yeah, so for all his misgivings, for a governor, he knew his baseball, and not just peripheral. He really knew it. He was a huge fan, and, uh, you know, That's not a, many positives with him. Huh? It, that, it really disgusted me that he did, Coach. Honestly. If, if if for some reason I got into public office, I wouldn't even be able to tell you well, what the 
what the Cubs' sixth reliever's best pitch was when the, he's up 0-2 in a count. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's something I didn't find that impressive. It really disgusted me. And, and so, do, you, do you understand what I'm getting at? I didn't like the fact that he knew so much about the Cubs, that yeah. he knew as much as I did about the Chicago Cubs. Shouldn't he be spending more of his – got to spend three, four hours a day watching every single Cub game and reading up on the rest of the National That's League to know as much as he did. That's true. I, I was going to say I go yes and no on that, but but I think for the most part I agree with you. There's if he knows that much, he's spending too much time and get down to actual work. The well, little part of me that says no, and Barack Obama addresses this every time he gets any kind of quote unquote personal interview. You know, uh, Mr. President, what's the toughest part of your, of, of your job? What's been the hardest part of the campaign? And he always, and I think very honestly, says is it's his removal from everyday life and from knowing what. The rest of us experience he he becomes removed, and it's hard to govern accurately. It's hard to govern at your best when you don't know what the everyday guy feels like. Of course, Barack Obama says it much more eloquently. So I like the fact that if you're a governor or senator, you're you're still part of the uh, the public. You have other interests. You you can relate a little bit. But you're right when you know the Cubs that much. Maybe you're spending two hours watching a baseball game. You don't got that kind of time. Yeah, or maybe like all you care about is governance, how you can sell the office, and that's why you're in there so you can watch the Cubs. You know, four hours a day. Yeah. You know, actually, the, the History Channel's got this one program that they just aired for the first time, which means that over the next couple of weeks it'll be on late night. Called "It's Good to Be the President." Mm-hmm. Phenomenal! It is absolutely phenomenal. They've been doing a bunch of president stuff the last the last couple of days because of President's Day. If you're interested in in uh, like the presidency, this is just just like the inside look of what it takes, like all the stuff around being president, like. Basically, it costs them about $3 billion a year to run the presidency, Coach, mm-hmm. which is actually a little cheaper than I thought it would be. But Who? it's, it's, like, just, it's like, unbelievable. And you're exactly right. These, these guys live the life of the greatest king on the planet, and they're totally detached from yes. the life of everyday Americans. Which, which makes it detached. hard to govern at its best. And I think Barack Obama, more than any president I've heard, has stated that as, as something he... He really it's funny dislikes. you say that because every they were talk every single president has said it and has, okay. has acknowledged it. Every okay. president they were Ford Kennedy did it. Kennedy was living it up, by the way. Ken, I mean, he couldn't get enough of it. But uh, Nixon was just an idiot. But like Ford talked about it, Carter talked about it, Reagan talked about it, uh, the the Bushes talked about it, but they didn't mean it. And uh, Clinton was kind of like Kennedy, you know. He he acknowledged it, but he was living the life of. Uh, of a playboy in office, you know what I mean? So it's like, so like with the, like, uh, like I actually believe a couple of the presidents when they said it, but some of them, it was like, no, they were just mm-hmm. saying it while they were lying out of the other side of their mouth. I've like, always like, been curious do do the, um, did the history channel address like what the, do they pick their own clothes or is there a guy like that will actually tell the president what to wear on a particular day? Uh, like, yeah. That guy is called the first lady. You'd be surprised at how much control the first lady has over everything, Coach. Like you wore the blue shirt on Monday, you got to wear the white shirt today. That rotated. I mean, I I just wonder something as very mundane as that, where all of us make that thirty-second decision or one-minute decision what to wear. I wonder how the you know for the the president, it's kind of a critical decision. Yeah, I mean, they have uh, they have a doctor following them around all the time. Uh, I I would bet you the first lady is involved. The first lady has a lot to do with the stuff. Okay. This is the. There's been a couple different two-hour programs. The one that I'm in the middle of is called It's Good to Be the President. The other one was just Inside the Presidency. Mm-hmm. And they were, oh, my goodness, Coach. They were talking about, like, 
uh, they, they, the, the head of staff, the chief of staff for Bill Clinton, they were talking about how uh, every single morning at 7.30, the meeting would start. And the first thing they would do was, okay, the plan that we made last night before we went to bed, is that still intact right now as we wake up in the morning? Mm-hmm. And they would say half the time it was completely wiped out. And they had to do, make a whole new plan because uh, some dude in Yemen blew himself up or, you know, uh, like, you know, there was an uh, airplane crash in Korea or something. You, know, you just never knew what was going to happen. And these guys, they legitimately work 24 hours a day. Hmm. And there's somebody, like, next to the president within five feet of the president at all times ready to wake the president up and be like, well, guess what? you got to go back to work. You can't sleep anymore. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm feeling sorry for these guys whatsoever. So Great uh, HBO. I know you are not getting HBO at this current moment. Uh, by the way, I have saved all the eastbound and down uh, segments for you, so... On a particular day, you can watch like eight in a row and catch up on a quality television. But they got a documentary voiced over by Alec Baldwin, but I, I, he's not the one who put it together. But it's on JFK, not the assassination, but his rise and his presidency, everything leading to the assassination with amazing photography, Big Dog. Well, I would uh, like to see how accurate that really is, Coach, especially well, if Alec Baldwin's involved in it. No, no, no. Uh, Alec Baldwin is simply the narrator, and it's barely narrated. I mean, a solid 90% of it is no voiceovers, and it's just listening to the, the video, which I'm amazed, you know, inside the limousine, inside the Oval Office, inside some of the meetings, you can hear the coughs and the sneezes and the discussions. It's, it's really a very, I'm amazed. Uh, back then, obviously, they were a lot, able to get a lot more into the discussions. We don't see that kind of inside stuff in today's news. I think they, they guarded they a lot any, more, but it was. Him and, and Judy Campbell? Who? Judy Campbell. Who's that? Judy Campbell was one of his mistresses who was also sleeping with uh, Sam Giancana at the time. They only <laughs> briefly addressed that when the, the narrator said uh, he had problems with this situation, and, and then they said, and other indiscretions. And then they quickly went on to another topic. So they barely... Oh, yeah, that, that's totally real accurate stuff is what I'm getting at. It was no, good. I, you... I would love to see it. I've actually, yes. because I, I, I do want to see that. There's yeah. a bunch of stuff on HBO I want to see. I want to watch that. It's basically the private life of JFK, I think it's called, isn't it? You know, I can't remember. I don't think okay. so. Uh, I don't... HBO also has a, a Reagan thing out right now that I want to see. Yep. Reagan, the first hundred years? It was a good first hundred years, by mm-hmm. the way. All right, very quickly, uh, as we jump around topics here, get our phone number if you want to join us, 888-463-6748. Had to do a little sports guys talk politics because we have a new mayor here in the city of Chicago. But quickly, big dog, out to college basketball. We don't want to forget our favorite sport this time of year. It's almost time to start getting the brackets shined off and start figuring out who's in, who's out. The term bubble is going to be heard a lot more. A lot of teams now are officially on the bubble with critical games coming up. But uh, first, we got to mention your beloved Illinois team had a shot to maybe guarantee themselves in the tournament yesterday. And like so many teams, they were not able to against Ohio State. 89-70 final score. I didn't see it, but apparently the Buckeyes looked awfully good. Uh, they looked awfully good. It was it was mostly like a, a 10-point game the whole game. And mm-hmm. uh, Ohio State stretched it out to, uh, like the like – the, the, 15, 17 point lead, like near the last couple minutes of the game. Um, uh, Bruce Weber trying to shake things up. And, and to be quite honest with you, their best players coach are their, are the sophomore and freshman Brandon Paul and Jeremy Richmond. And I think they, uh, Weber really tried to shake things up yesterday. He started Crandall head over Dimitri McCamey. I saw that. 
I don't know if that was the best idea, but he was re- he's really trying to get these guys to wake up from their doldrums, and uh, it, it didn't help. And by the way, your guy Tisdale was was uh, shooting the ball from three point range again yesterday, coach, all day long, and making it. Well, for the his, he, he hit his first three. He didn't you know, make any after that as he continued to chuck from three-point land as Ohio State continued to get rebound after rebound mm-hmm. after rebound. It's kind of weird, but, uh, you know, you, you you tell me right now Illinois' best players are the freshmen of the sophomore, Jeremy Richmond and uh, Brandon Paul, and it, it recalls me back about three or four years ago when Mike Tisdale, uh, Mike Davis, and Demetri McKamey, the much-maligned seniors, when they were sophomores, I, I sort of remember the Illinois team, and I can't remember who the seniors were at this Ryan point. Ryan Randall. Yeah, but we were saying the same thing. You know what? Uh, Illinois' best players right now are the freshmen and the sophomores. Guys like Tisdale, McCamey, and Davis should be playing more. So it's almost like maybe maybe we have a natural tendency to favor the new guys. The grass is always greener. We've seen the other guys for four years. But that's what we were saying about those three guys three years ago. Really? We we absolutely were coach, but but uh, Brian Randall and and uh, Sean Pruitt never did anything though. Do you know what I mean? They they had never done anything yep. at the University of Illinois. Okay, so and I and I agree with what you're saying, but but let's face it, it's, Tisdale and Davis have towered. They they have played so small in big situations, and you know at least Jeremy Richmond and Brandon Paul are aggressive. They attack. And you know what I mean. At least it looked like they played with a pair of wavos. Is all I have to say about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you've said it up, my friend. Yeah. What about uh, Michigan State? They knocked off Minnesota, two teams that are on the bubble, and some of these games have become critical here down the stretch. Of course, you got the conference tournaments that'll help some teams and hurt some teams also. But uh, the Spartans look like they're on the plus side of the bubble. And big dog for our good friends in, up in Minnesota, they better get their point ba- point guard back real quick. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Nolan Smith or uh, Al, Al Nolan. Al Nolan. Nolan Smith is a point guard for Duke, by the way, All American. He's having a great year. Overrated. Uh, yeah, he. <laughs> by the way, just listening to Gus Johnson on the Big Ten Network, absolutely phenomenal. The end of that game last night, uh, just to get a layup in that uh, in that Michigan State Minnesota game last night uh, was difficult. They should have been wearing football equipment, coach. That was as physical of a basketball game as I've seen this year in all of college basketball. Mm-hmm. What an ending to that game! I mean, you're talking about that. Like, the score was 45-39 with uh, with like two minutes to go in the game. So. I got news for you. if you're a professional football scout, there's about three or four guys in that game that if they decided to play football, i.e. Draymond Green, i.e. Minnesota center freshman Trevor Mbakwe, and a couple other guys like Daryl Summers would look good at wide receiver. If I were a pro football scout, I there are probably three or four guys out there that could play NFL football. Possibly, coach. Possibly. Just because you have the body type and athleticism doesn't mean that that's, that's, you have the ability to run in front of a guy by the name of yeah. Troy Polamalu and in, uh, and behind a guy by the name of Jerome Harrison. Yeah. If you've got the size of Trevor Mbakwe, uh, it's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real good start. That, that dude and the uh, freshman from Iowa, what's his name, Basabe? Oh, I, I put that usually when I'm on, on sushi. What? No, no, no. <laughs> no, this guy... I mean, he is like man-child, a freshman, like 18 years old going on 23. He is chiseled. And uh, those couple of guys. And Michigan's got a guy like that, too, a freshman center. Morgan, I think his name is. These guys are like 18, 19 years old, and they look like they're 25. And and they're all NFL football prospects, if not NBA. They picked the wrong sport. 
All right. Hey, one quick note I wanted to get to, Big Dub, before we ramp up the show. Uh, all the Carmelo, the Carmelo, and Mello is gone, and boom, but Carmelo, and oh. Just a little side note for you. The mm-hmm. Denver Nuggets yesterday without Carmelo and without Chauncey Billups, they win their game 120 to 107. J.R. Smith, 26 points. Ty Lawson, 21. Aaron Afalo, Afafalo, or whatever the hell his name is, 21 points. So, minus the great one, Carmelo, the other kids step up and win. I love stories like that. Uh, coach, uh, I think Carmelo is one of the most overrated players of this generation. On behalf I mean, of the New York Knicks fans, you better not be right. Oh, yeah. No, have fun. Have fun. Yeah, he's going to average 25 points a game, Knicks, and he's awesome late in the game. I mean, that guy can make clutch passes, Coach. I'm not going to take that away from him. He doesn't rebound, he doesn't defend, and he can't pass. Okay. But he's, a, he's a phenomenal scorer. you got Bernard King again, okay, is what you got, is the New York Knicks. Okay. So right. uh, you, be, you better beat people 130 to 120, and I'm not joking about that whatsoever because Stoudemire can't defend or rebound either. Right. Big deal. we got to wrap it up. We'll talk more tomorrow, okay? Coach, well, I, I am actually a very positive person. I just can't understand these well, asinine moves all the time. God bless you. We'll analyze the second day of the Rahm Emanuel mayoral regime tomorrow. All right, David Olson, our producer, great job. Thank you, everybody out there, for listening. For the big dog, for the coach, we much, much appreciate it. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.